Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. Now, <clears throat> I'm not sure this is because of you, but I'm fairly certain you've greatly influenced it. What? Well, that doesn't I, even sound good. Maybe. I was reading an article on Forbes today, and it said that the U.S. wine market is the most populous wine market in the world. What? You've had a lot to do with it. Okay. It has been parade of home season. I've been going into work at six o'clock in the morning, some mornings. Once. More than once. Thank you very little. And I will agree with that. Yes, I've been drinking a lot of wine lately. I have no problem with that. Most populous wine market in the world. You're welcome, Forbes. I contributed to a statistic. Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duel with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael and his firm, Legacy Financial Network, to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hi. See, I, took, I changed up the intro for you. You did. I mean, it's been a while since we've done one of these things. It has been quite a while. It's probably my fault. I apologize. It has been busy season and everybody has lost their minds. And you've drank too much wine to do shows on during the evening. That's not entirely true. <laughs> Most of the time I come home super exhausted because I've had the same conversation for 10 plus hours every day to everybody who's doing Parade of Homes. I love my customers. I hate Parade of Homes. Why would you hate Parade of Homes? They happen the exact same weekend every year. Every single year. And yet, the people who build homes in these things are always super far behind. So it's kind of like boaters. That people put their boat in the same time every year. And their window was cracked in September and they didn't decide to fix it until two days before they wanted to launch it. I can't get glass that fast. Well, you even see it, though, at like West Marine and Home Depot. There's this sense of urgency. We've known about it for six months. Mass chaos. But all of a sudden, it has to be fixed. Mass chaos. So tell everyone, we're back. Tell yes. everyone what they're going to- I gonna, apologize. It's my fault. Tell everyone what they're going to learn on today's show. Um, Self-made millionaires. Are you really better off when you have that millionaire status? I think what you're saying is, does anything really change? Correct. Because according to your best friend in the entire world. Really? That's who you're going to bring up? Dave, once you hit that millionaire status, 
you have made it and shouldn't have anything to worry about. Well, complete and utter lie. And for people who maybe don't know, you're referring to Dave Ramsey. I said you're BFF Dave. Right. And I've got, I write a financial column for financial professionals. Mm -hmm. And the easy way to think of this is whatever line of work you're in, anyone listening, whatever work you're in, can you imagine somebody making general statements on the radio, not specific to an individual, specific to one individual, but not maybe somebody who's coming to you? Right. And then that person going, nope, I'm not going to do whatever you're saying, even though you know my situation. You're trained in this because this guy on the radio who doesn't know me, who never has talked to me. And who's only going to get one thirty-second of my life story to give me advice. Right. And... And I'd be okay with somebody going, well, I called in and he told me to do X and you're recommending something else. Fine. Follow X. But the people, what's frustrating for financial people is when they go, well, I've heard some, you know, I've listened to the show and they tell me, he tells these other people not to do blah, blah, blah. So I don't think I should either. Right. That's why I write this column for financial professionals Mm -hmm. to help them refute some of, there's a lot of mathematical mistakes. Um, not knowing a lot of the tax code, tax law, that's why. Well, and actually, now that you're saying something like that, funny thing, I listen to a podcast on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Not a financial one at all. Could be slightly embarrassed to say it, but it's called My Favorite Murder. And these people talk about different murders, what have you, across the world. It's kind of a comedy thing. They're fairly vulgar, whatever. You are such a millennial. I enjoy the thought process behind because they go, they dive into the thought process of the murderer and I am fascinated by the psychological aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, tie back into millionaires. They just covered some guy that got murdered. He won the lottery. Mm -hmm. Could not read, could not write, was fairly uneducated. He won like 17 million or something. Oh, no, that's what he took home. It was like a 30 million payday payday, and he took the lump sum. Spent it all in a year. Really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now comes out one of the people that quote unquote became one of his friends was taking it and stashing some of it away. But he would just be like, you know, friends like I'll pay for this for you. I'll pay for that for you. I'll do this. I'll do that. So no money management skills whatsoever. Yeah. So he was a millionaire for two seconds. I think the problem that I have with that is that that we put that out as a goal. And Dave Ramsey always talks about as though it's some big accomplishment. Oh, you know, if it's a younger person, don't. Oh, kiddo, you're going to be a millionaire. You do this, this. If they're older, he now does this. What's he call it? Second dance or uh, what do they call that when you come out? Encore? Encore. Yes. An encore career. And you're going to make all this money and look at how much money you'll have. And that's always the goal. Mm-hmm. And I guess the problem I have with that, an easy way to relate that is you. I didn't grow up in West Michigan. Right. But you did. Yes. Most of your friends, female friends, were married by how old? 22, 23. Are there some of them that are fairly unhappy? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. They don't listen to this. I love them all. That's why I didn't say. I I just said some. That's pretty (laughs) ambiguous. I love them all. They are still my friends. But some are pretty unhappy. Correct. Am I right that one of the goals that seems ingrained in this 
culture over here is like it should be a goal of yours to be married and start having kids by mid early to mid 20s maybe um, late not even late it's called the mrs degree for a reason what the mrs oh, degree yeah, you go to before. college the mrs degree to get engaged to get married that's the main goal in west michigan i love you i grew up here i love this place but that's legitimately the main goal. And if you are not married by the time that you graduate from college, there's something wrong with you. Like you. Well, yes. Because you weren't married by the time you graduated. No, I wasn't even dating anybody, nor did I care to. And most never thought he'd get married. <laughs> Just throw that out there. Most are still surprised that I am married. <laughs> what I'm saying Thanks is... Thanks <laughs> a lot for that vote of confidence. You're welcome. But that's one of their goals. Correct. And yet a lot of her unhappy because here's the problem with making a goal like that. Shouldn't the goal really be, you know what? I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want to find the right person. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I want to have a family. Maybe maybe that's not their goal. But whatever that those falls in line, that should be your goal. Why assume that? What if you could be married and happy at 26 rather than married and miserable and miserable at 22? Right. Well, and again, I love West Michigan, but that's part of the problem. And a lot of the kids, the people that I grew up with, graduated from high school with whatever, a lot of their parents' relationships ended up in. All right. We have to take a break. But the point here is if it's true with relate, like if you're listening right now, you can see how obvious that is. Same thing applies to finance. Right. Making that goal. I want to be a millionaire. For what? What difference will it make? What if I made you a millionaire because the value of your house became a million dollars? Do you want to move? No. Because the value of all the houses around you are more. Right. So you got to downgrade now? No. I mean, I'm making it a little bit absurd, but it's a bad goal. The goal should be, I want to be comfortable. And what does comfortable mean? Or I want to be able to maintain my lifestyle and be retired, whatever that might be. But if you're making the goal to have X amount of money, X amount of money is to do something. Mm-hmm. You're not Scrooge McDuck. You're not going to go swimming in it. It's so you can buy X. It's so you can do Y, whatever it may be. But that should be your goal. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. Before we dive back into what it really means to achieve millionaire status, you can follow us on Twitter, the Twitter sphere. Mike's not very good at updating it. I apologize. I've updated it more than you have. Not my circus, not my monkeys. People really liked my uh, counting down one. Oh, about going under? Yeah. Why does the anesthesiologist tell me, uh, sir, will you count down from 100, please? No. I'm, I'm going to make it to what, 95? Might as well just start at five. Yeah, <laughs> let's make it something that I can accomplish and have some fun and see if I can meet the goal. Right. So you can follow us on Twitter at <laughs> Fireproof Show. On. The tweets have been just as lacking as our presence no, lately. I've had a couple. But, yeah. We're Anyways, over 100 now. Over 100 what? Tweets. 
<laughs> Yay. Um, so so we, to go back. Go ahead. Millionaire status. And it, I want to let people know also, I'm not knocking the West Michigan way of thinking. No. I'm just saying, as somebody who grew up on the starting to change mentality of that thinking, I watched quite a few families kind of disintegrate because that mentality was get married in college, raise your family, blah, blah, blah. Everything will be perfect. And it wasn't. But the the thought was, the outcome, it was it was making a goal with a false prerequisite. Because uh, the outcome, this is going to make you happy. Exactly. And it's so, not always the case. Because the goal should be you want to be happy or right. you want X or, or I don't know. And getting married at 22 is not always going to make you happy if it's not the right person. If so, fact so. Becoming a millionaire is not always going to make you happy. No, I, I'm going to argue very seldomly does it. Correct. Because you can achieve millionaire status without having a million dollars in the bank. It's it's not considered a monetary amount. It's considered an asset amount. Right. So yes. you can be, quote unquote, a millionaire and have just as many bills to counteract that status. Yeah, and the idea is, let's say you have a million in the 401k or the IRA. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're going to be more... The idea is, well, once I have X, then I'll be good. Right. But once you have, once you start getting there, from what I've seen, and I, I meet with people all the time, you're going to have additional bills, additional desires, and right. life just grows, and suddenly you're working more, so maybe the, your lawn's being... Mo- you're hiring that out. I don't know what it is, but... I'm just saying the goal should be, well, our 11-year-old as an example. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound out of nowhere, but he's been watching a lot of 1980s movies. Yes. He's been watching a lot of 1980s movies because they're your favorites. So I just you had, him, him, I had him watch, watch Braveheart, which maybe was a little too Braveheart much. Braveheart is a great, uh, yeah, yeah. And Top Gun. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's all into, into them. And yeah. Netflix, good old Netflix, recommends other movies for him. And one of which was the um, Indiana Jones series. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't like Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. No, we watched them quite a bit. My dad loved them. I don't remember liking them at all. But our 11-year-old thought, this looks really cool and wanted to watch them. Right. Oh, man night. When yes. I said, under no circumstances, was I to get interrupted and sat upstairs in our room and watched like three or four episodes of whatever I was watching. So we turn on Indiana Jones and I watch it with them and the very first one. So here's what we're here's what I mean by what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. Because money's a tool. I just actually had an article published about this in Forbes that talked about money being a tool and being purposeful with it. Congratulations. Thank you. It's your first article in Forbes. Oh. It's kind of cool. I didn't know if you were like the way never mind. The way you said it seemed odd. Condescending. No. Yes. It's good. Right. I'm very proud of you. So it was cool. The first one I submitted was about how much does, quote, unquote, free college really cost. They didn't like it. It was about math and personal <laughs> finance, but apparently it was too political. They didn't like it. No, it was It's too okay. Pit- Somebody else did. It's fine. Anyway, so I'm meeting with this couple, and it might sound like I'm jumping around, but I'm not. It'll come full circle. I'm meeting with this couple, and this couple, this is like a month ago, they are more lost then I can remember anyone being the last 10 years. Okay. I swear I shook their hand, introduced myself, and they were gone. And this, like, 
I confuse them so much, it wouldn't surprise me if they used their GPS to go home. Hmm. And out of nowhere. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. You confuse a lot of people. This was bad. Okay. Much worse than normal. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I, I'm frustrated. I can tell they're frustrated. I finally look at them and I'm like, do you like Indiana Jones? They looked at me like, you've got to be kidding me. What do you, what, where are you going now? And I relate, I told him the story about my 11 year old has liked it, you know, all these 80s movies. He picked Indiana Jones and I go, we watched, he made me start with the first one. And one of the opening scenes right before the boulder rolls down, Indiana is in this cave, this cavern. And I don't know if you're, if you're listening, I don't know if you remember this, but in the middle, there's a pedestal and there's like this giant mo- egg. Nope. There's like golden a golden thing. Statue. This isn't Jeopardy. Snake. It's a Mayan like <laughs> relic. Gold, not an egg, like a head. <laughs> it and, was gold. I and, got the gold part right. And Indiana had to replace it with an equal weight not to trip the booby trap. And I go... Failed. And I go, what I want you to think of, and I go, what we're trying to do here, and this is why I'm saying the millionaire status shouldn't be the goal. This mm-hmm. should be the goal. Our goal is to take, think of that Mayan head like a metaphor, a representation for your pre-retirement income. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is replace that with something else in a way that's seamless, that you mm-hmm. can't even tell that it happened. So it doesn't trip the booby trap. We're trying to take replace your pre-retirement income with post-retirement or pre-retirement wages with post-retirement income in a way that's seamless. Right. And it was cool because they look at me and they're like, it was like they got it. Click. And then they looked at me and they, and they go, you know, it's not a very good analogy. Like, because he failed. Yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> because he didn't have the correct weight for the gold, and therefore he got chased out by a boulder. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, but it sounded good. And then later that afternoon, I thought, actually, that's a great analogy. Because I get it, that Indiana Jones is a fictitious character, right? Mm-hmm. But he was a world-famous archaeologist. He had very a lot of similar experience. Right. He had just never done that one thing. How many times, if he could do it over again, how many times do you think he would have needed to get it right? Only one more. Maybe two. No more than two then. Right. So if he had multiple attempts to do it, he would have got it. He would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Even though he had all that similar experience, doing it one time, only having one opportunity, and the stakes were high. You get this wrong? I mean, the, the floor could have opened up. He didn't know what the booby trap was. The floor could have right. opened up. He could have fell. No relic, no Indiana, movie over. Stakes, arrows, poison darts, death. It could have been all over right then. So how many how many times are people going to take their social security? One time. How many times? Other than Michael Jordan, how many times are they going to retire? One time. So you get one time to get this right. And the stakes, the consequence are high. Of course people are you know going to make mistakes. Yeah. So I thought, once I thought of that, I go, that's a great analogy because it puts it in perspective why you need somebody to help you that's done this so many times. And you thought Indiana Jones was stupid. I said I didn't enjoy it. Now I'm going to get all this hate mail, hate tweets from the Indiana Jones followers. Just Harrison Ford followers. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. 
Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com. United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon Skegan first at united.com. And we're back with the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. Remember, you can join us. You can be with us, part of the be part of the conversation, ask us questions. All you have to do is go on to Twitter. And I get it. I'm not a big Twitter person. And without the show, without people telling us we had to have it for the show, quite frankly, wouldn't have it. He has a Facebook page and he doesn't use it. Yeah, I don't think I've used that now almost for a decade. Right. My dad's very mad at you. Why? He friended you on Facebook and you haven't accepted it because you haven't been on there. Did he say something? No, I don't even think he knows that you haven't friended him. I just think it's funny. Huh. So before we left, we've been talking all day today about what difference does it make. Right. And why do you make the goal to be a millionaire when that may not solve anything? Correct. And we mentioned a article that, again, actually, I'd been asked to... Submit some pieces to Forbes and or Forbes, and the first one was about college spending, and I got this polite, yeah, we were hoping you would give us not so much good, sir. Try again. Yes. So I gave them a story about a client that I have that came in about a year ago, and it's it's right in line with what we're talking about today. And they were talking about taking more risk in a portfolio, and, and I'm going to abbreviate the story, but essentially it came down to all right, if it works, if we took more risk, would you spend? And they were already frustrated with the amount the government, because they're over 70 and a half. Mm-hmm. So they were already frustrated with the amount the government forces them to withdraw each month. Okay. So I still asked the question, but they like said- Like that it was too much? Yeah. They don't want to take out as much oh, as they have okay. to. So I asked, if you had more, would you spend more? And they go, no, we don't even want to sp- take out what we have. Okay. So if you had more, if this grew more because we took more risk, would you give more? And no, probably not. No, they're already tithing and they give money to kids and that sort of thing. And No. I go, so the only thing this accomplishes is that you'll have more, a larger estate upon death. Correct. I go, yeah. I go, well, that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's probably being a good steward to the to the money that you've been given or, or you know, bestowed with, entrusted with. I then looked at him and said, so why don't, you know, what if we could do this tax-free and guaranteed? Everybody's, you know, you, you tell anybody. Absolutely, if it's tax-free <laughs> and I don't have to pay the government. And one of the things that you did when you came on this show, because if you don't realize this, before Vanessa came on, we had one station. Mm-hmm. And since she's come on, we have, I think, eight. So You're welcome. It clearly wasn't because of me. But, you know, I remember one of the things you said to me, and you said, I don't think finance is as overwhelming as people think it is. But they get overwhelmed because they don't deal with it that often. And number two, this industry has done a very good job of making people feel stupid. Well, that and unfortunately, money has become essentially an end-all be-all for a lot of people. It's a bad goal because it doesn't necessarily 
move your purpose. And so you told me that stuff. And you said, use things that people understand, mm-hmm. things they deal with all the time. So tax-free and guaranteed was just a segue for me talking about life insurance. And it's not that I thought they needed life insurance. It was the fact that everyone gets life insurance. Right. I mean, we can make it complicated, but it really is simple. I give you money every month while I'm alive. I die. You give my family money. That's life insurance. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about it. And I said, so this is what you should do. You're healthy enough and we can use this account to buy the life insurance. And they weren't having it. And finally, I could even see like body language was turning negative. And finally, they look at me and they're like, we don't want to buy life insurance. I'm like, cool. Perfect. Then they looked at me just bewildered. Because they thought you were trying to sell them something. They were as lost as that couple I was talking about earlier before I told them that the Indiana Jones, this is what we're trying to do is replace income with, you know, wages with income. Right. And they go, what do you mean perfect? We don't want to do it. I go, yeah, but you just defined it purpose. See, money doesn't have any meaning. It has purpose. You're going to spend it or give it. And you're not willing to spend it so you can give more. If you're not willing to spend what's yours so your kids can have more, why are you willing to risk what's yours so they can possibly have more? Why, if you're not willing to spend it so they can have it, why would you be willing to risk it so they right. could possibly have it? And I look at him and I go, does that make any sense to you? And he pauses, he looks right back in the eyes and he goes, no. And then he goes on this tangent that his CPA is a moron. And he wasn't. His CPA was the one who told him to do this. His CPA was 100% mathematically correct. Right. What difference would it have made had they had 20% more wealth? They wouldn't spend more. They wouldn't give more. It would change nothing. Right. And that's where the equation's gotten, I think, incorrect. Like I meet people who are pretty risk adverse and they're like, well, I know I have to take more risk. Otherwise I won't have enough. And some of the things I've done is gone. What if you spent a little less now and invested a little bit more and you invested more to offset the less risk you're taking? Hmm. What if instead of replacing cars every five years, you, you replace them every seven? What if you worked an extra three years? What? And all those were inputs, things they could control. And allowed them to take the risk that they were comfortable with mm-hmm. without having to generate more assets. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not just how much you have. I mean, last quick thing is I was dealing with somebody recently where he's getting ready to retire and everyone, he, he works at a shop and everyone in the shop is bewildered, almost ridiculing him. Well, why wouldn't you take your social security the moment you retire? Do you know how dumb that is? You know, and there was two pieces of that. He's telling me the story, and one of the things I said is, oh, okay, so um, you guys talk about each other's Social Security. He goes, yeah. I go, how much do your friends, these coworkers of yours, have in their 401k? Well, I don't know. Oh, you don't talk about that? He goes, no. I go, really? You'll talk about how to take your retirement income, something that you've been saving and paying into for longer than you ever paid into the 401k, but you won't ask them how much they have in there. He goes, no, that's rude. I go, did it ever- Why is that rude? It's know. the same thing. It doesn't matter. I go, did it ever occur to you, though, like I'm having you spend 25 or 30 grand, I forget now, each year to defer your social security. Instead of getting your $2,000 check, we're going to take out 25 grand a year. But you've got five, $600,000. We can do that for four years. And instead of having six, you still have five. If they've only got 100,000 put away, not taking a $2,000 check is a big deal. They can't, can they even relate? Can they even fathom? deferring it for two years they got a hundred grand put away can they even consider spending down using half of it to get more out of social security Mm -mm. they can't and i go so you've put yourself in a position that you can make a decision that 
they might not even be financially in the position to make. And one of the things I've learned is if you're not there, it's hard to relate. Right. It's like before we started having kids, you would look at somebody who's doing something, raising their kids a certain way, like the way you might look at it and go, that's annoying. No, it would be more so like my kid's never going to take a box of cereal in the shopping in the grocery store right. and throw it down the aisle because he's having a temper yeah, tantrum. My kids aren't going to aren't going to make a scene at Meyer because I'm just going to be I'm going to set the example early on. Jokes on you. It wasn't a box of cereal. It was a jar of pickles and the glass shattered all over the floor. Our kids did that. I don't tell you things sometimes. When did this I have happen? shipped a long time ago? But did we have to buy those pickles? Technically, no, but I'm not going to do that anyway. Wait, we bought the pickles. Yes, you, you've got to be kidding me. Yes, all you did is built up the Meyer Empire even no, further. No, again, you can judge somebody for their parenting <laughs> skills when their child is throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of an aisle. Your kid's going to do it times forty. And now we threw the pickle cereal money. box that you can take home and still eat. Jar of pickles that is shattered on the floor. Did you save the pickles? No, it had glass in them. Wash them off. That's all the time we have for today, though. We want to a jerk. We want to thank you for joining us again. This has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances. For more information, contact Michael J. Markey Jr. of Legacy Financial Network. Call toll-free at 855-LF-NETWORK or online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.